Hey everyone, it's Taylor and Brendan from Blue and Gold Make Darlene. They tell you about the Hockey Podcast Network. Goddamn right we are. You know, there's an entire network. It's not just Blue and Gold Make Darlene. There's 31 podcasts, one for every NHL team. From terrible, horrible teams like the Boston Bruins to some of the best teams in the league like the Buffalo Sabres. Absolutely. And with that being said, if it's a terrible team or if it's a great team, no matter what, you are able to get two episodes a week from all of the hosts. New episodes come out every Monday and Thursday with new content covering everything from the latest that's going on with everyone's respective teams all the way through to doing more fun things like the many trivia games that Taylor and I have on our show. That's right. Hot content, hot takes, hot hosts. Hot hosts. You got it everywhere. Uh, and you you can find them pretty much anywhere you find your podcast. Apple, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spotify. Stitcher, if you're one of those weirdos like me that uses Stitcher. You use even, Stitcher? I do. Strange. I think I'm the only one who does. Okay. And even at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com if you're looking for some more info. There's a whole website that's that you right. could go check hey, out. Maybe it's getting to that point of the season where you're getting sick of the Sabres. I know some of us are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this again. West Coast uh, trip is about to be tough. Maybe you want to check in on some of your other favorite teams if you're one of those kind of guys. Absolutely. Well, they're all available and they're all easy to find. Gosh darn right. So be sure to check out the Hockey Podcast Network once again at their website at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. And be sure to follow on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Blue and Gold Make Darlene as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. As always, I'm Brendan. And I have not been fired yet. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Give it, a, give it a day or so and we'll see. Yeah, so as you all probably guess or could guess what today's episode is going to be about, um, they burned it down. And it yeah. don't seem like they want to burn it or uh, build it back up. <laughs> well, remember when we said we would be back when something happened, but that probably wouldn't be for a while. Three days later. <laughs> yeah, wrong. Literally uh, crazy. So yeah, this, this all happened uh, either this week or ten years ago or whatever. I don't know. It's kind of blurry, <laughs> but uh, so you, I think everyone out there, especially Sabres fans, kind of know the facts uh, and have heard a lot of this. We want to kind of focus on is this. Uh, line of thinking that was out there this narrative that some people had that basically said hey isn't this what you wanted and she wanted to clean house and she want to start over right in some ways yes but we're going to talk about why this didn't like this isn't that this isn't what we wanted and so before we oh go ahead I just said in many ways. Yeah, right. So before we get into it I know everybody kind of knows but just to give our own little quick recap um Late or like early last week, uh, Jason Botterill had a closed door meeting with the Pagulas where they had indicated that they wanted to pretty much gut their hockey department, essentially what they ended up doing, uh, to which Jason Botterill said, no, I don't want to do that and lost his job over it. So the Pagulas end up uh, firing Jason Botterill, breaking news right away. And immediately with his firing, we learned that they hire Kevin Adams as general manager they hold a press conference a couple hours later at 2 o'clock uh, with Ralph Kruger, Terry and Kim Pagula, and Kevin Adams. Uh, it was a shit show. Uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but shout out to Mike Harrington for saying what everybody was thinking in your question. So, the great, great question. Um, that happens. Everybody is upset about it. And then not even, you know, two or three hours later um, – the avalanche hits and we find out that the Sabres end up ultimately firing, I believe 22 or 23 members of their uh, hockey department uh, ranging from scouts to uh, both pro and amateur to some of their uh, higher ranking officials uh, among them, their director of amateur scouting. Um, and uh, the cherry on top of it all, which kind of made it great is then we find out a day later that they accidentally fired somebody and hired them back. They're high IT guy. IT guy, yeah. Yeah. He had all the passwords. Yeah, so they had to bring him back. Yeah, we got to bring Dylan back in here. Can <laughs> you – I mean, so that, that's essentially the lowdown here. Um, so, I mean, yeah, let's, let's kind of dissect this. So, yeah. point one, Jason Botterill gets fired, something that the majority of Sabres fans have been clamoring for for Eat. over a year now, really. 
Um, pretty much the nail was kind of hit into his coffin with the O'Reilly trade. And just the past year of inaction has really just, it led to everybody pretty much turning on him and rightfully so for that matter. Continuity is important, but when you can tell that a guy is not cut out for the job or they make a series of mistakes that have been extremely costly, like you got to do what you got to do. Um, so with that, they end up hiring Kevin Adams in a, a pretty mind-boggling mood um, that, uh, I mean, uh, you know, and this kind of goes into our point of what we're going to talk about is, is this kind of counter-narrative of people being like, well, isn't this what we wanted? No, it's not because of the fact that normally when you fire a general manager, you don't just hire from within and not try and at least try and cast a wide net. Um, there were no interviews that were held for this this position at all. They didn't try and reach out to anybody outside of the organization, which has been seemingly like a greater problem that I think we're all coming to realize that the Pagula really just only want to hire like yes people at this point. Um, and so you hire Kevin Adams, who has uh, – limited assistant coaching experience, pretty much no front office experience has never served in a assistant general manager role. Um, most recently he was the, I believe the director of hockey ops at Harbor center, which is you're making a hell of a jump from, from doing that. And, you know, working in a lot of cases with, with kids and teenagers to then running an NHL franchise. Um, what are your thoughts, I mean, outside of, I guess, what I just kind of covered there? So, with the point you made, someone made a great point uh, about them not doing a national search, which is Detroit a couple years ago fired Ken Holland as their president, GM, whatever, and they got Steve Eiserman, who was, one, employed with another team, two, maybe the best GM in hockey over the past decade, three, in a great situation. Right. Uh, and they just reached out because they thought, you know, let's, let's give it a shot. And what happened? They got him. They right. got the best in hockey. And I don't know how he's going to do there, but that's, you know, at least worth a shot. If you do a search and you come back and you're like, yeah, we like Kevin Adams the best. Well, now you have a lot more faith in the guy you're hiring. Um, but there is a, a thread to what they're doing because they brought this up. They feel that they've been misled or led astray in hiring these quote-unquote hockey guys. Um, and they're going with someone they know better in Kevin Adams. Now, when we talked, I think maybe two months ago, maybe less than that, when that athletic article came out about the Bagulas, uh, they mentioned in it, in Tim Graham's article, that the Bagulas had been hiring people that they know for a lot of their businesses, like which is a terrible practice. But like, instead of doing a nationwide search for, let's say, uh, someone to run their marketing company that was failing, they brought in like their friend's son. It was weird things like that. All people they knew, family, friends, and all that. Uh, which Kevin Adams isn't, but he's been an employee since they took over in various forms. So it's it's kind of following that trend that was laid out in that athletic article, which is very interesting. Uh, another thing uh, that's kind of interesting with this is Paul Hamilton mentioned that they had been, quote-unquote, grooming him to be the GM eventually. Yeah, He's like, if they were doing that, they're doing a terrible job of it. He's been, like, coaching kids yeah, or, like, yeah. doing business stuff. He was a Sabres assistant coach for a while, but or not even a while, like a couple months. Uh, but like, in like, what? In what way were they grooming him? What do they even think that means? Because why would he have been AGM in that case? Exactly. That's that's honestly what it all comes down to. Is if he's been Botterill's assistant general manager the last couple, like pretty much since like his tenure, you know, as the owners, if you say. Like, hey, this is, you know, three years ago when Botterill's hired, like, hey, this is a guy who, you know, we think has a bright future. He has a playing background. He has a coaching background. I think he'd be a really valuable asset to the team. You bring him in as an assistant general manager, and at the very least you get some of that familiarity, um, you know, with just what the job entails. Because, you know, one of the big takeaways that I had, and I, I had tweeted about this, is that it, it seems like this guy doesn't know who's even on the team. You're trying, you know, like multiple reporters and during the initial press conference and then again um, in his interview on WGR the following day are, are asking him questions related to the team and his responses. Oh, you know, like this just kind of happened today. So I'm not really entirely sure. And I think that points to a greater problem, like, like a, a huge issue with this is that you just like you may have been grooming him, but it doesn't seem like it because this guy 
really was not able to comment on anything related to the team, the roster, any of the prospects, um, what next season the team should look like, what moves we have to make, everything, you know, all of his answers really, to me, just came off as like, well, this is my first day on the job, so I'm not entirely sure. And with something like that and what, with, what the value is in holding these wider searches is that when you hire somebody for this position, day one, they should have, I want to do this, 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 and this. We need to bring in these people. We need to get these people out. And you have to just have some semblance of a plan. I mean, that's how you earn the job. Whereas in this instance, it seems like the Pagulas had familiarity with Kevin Adams, which could be valuable, but also they're just hiring him to be a yes man. And what do we know about the Pagulas' knowledge of, of hockey? You know, like, I mean, Really, at this point, from what it seems, and I know some of the some writers have spec- have kind of pointed to this that it's going to be kind of like a fifty fifty approach with Ralph Kruger and Kevin Adams, and I, I mean, I don't know, like the, he he doesn't know any of the other GMs in the league, he doesn't know any of the agents. I mean, you need somebody who has these kind of connections, and and he doesn't have any of it at all. Yeah. I would have rather seen them just if they were going to fire Botterill. I mean, I know this is I, you have to have him want to do this, but like. It would have made more sense just to promote Kruger and get a new coach rather than just bring in a first-time GM who has no experience running an organization. Yes. Not that that would have been a good idea to do that, but it would have made at least more sense. Yeah. No, definitely. Uh, And so there's a couple other things, obviously, that I very much disagreed with uh, that went down this week. One of the big ones everyone was very confused about was Rochester because Rochester's been pretty good. It's the thing Botrell really did well. Uh, when Tim Murray took over, he wanted he said he wanted a robust AHL team and farm program, whatever, and he did a terrible job at it. When Botro got here, he did an excellent job immediately of right. getting that team back to the playoffs. And now, weirdly, they always had bad luck running into hot goalies in the first round, so they never actually had any kind of playoff run. But I think they were in first this year. They had- This year could have been the year it happened, too. Yeah, and I guess you would say, like, Chris Taylor and everyone in Rochester were doing a pretty good job. And it's it, there's kind of a weird thing because – Rochester is good, and the reason a lot of AHL teams are good is because they have good AHL players. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's obviously like no shortage of the Zach Redman type guys that they have. Nathan Pace was down there recently, um, right? Like guys like that. The that are Brennan's of the world. Yeah, they're not. The AHL is filled with those guys. It's not really filled with guys like, let's say Casey Middlestaff, for example, that were drafted top ten. They're meant to develop because if you look at it, like how how could you be mad? Like someone mentioned them being mad about. Tage Thompson and Casey Middlestead have a development. I was like, well, you put both of those guys in the NHL right away when they got here. Tage got dropped down last year. and Middlestead should have been there from the start. Yeah, and Tage, by all accounts, was doing fine down there. Mm-hmm. Middlestead was here for a year and a half before he went down to Rochester. That's not Chris Taylor's fault. Right. And honestly, I think a lot of the time, being an AHL coach isn't even so much about developing talent. It's about, that means working with guys, sure, but I think I think Middlestad had his own issues that kind of make up why he shouldn't have been drafted eighth overall. Right. That had really nothing to do with Chris Taylor that were evident the entire time in the NHL. So it was very strange to see that they did that. I mean, now, like, firing those guys, it's not the biggest deal in the world to have a good AHL team, but it's good. It helps. Good, Good organizations do it. So Tampa Bay has been so successful in Syracuse. I'm sure that's been a huge factor. Right. Uh, same thing with Pittsburgh and Scranton. Wilkes-Barre. So I don't I, – I have no idea why they did that. I, I mean, I do financially. But hockey-wise, it makes no sense. And you got to rebuild. you got to have an entire new staff in Rochester for no reason. And while you're doing you're sending a signal to the people you're hiring or people you could potentially be hiring that it doesn't matter if you do a good job. If we right. feel that you're not uh, worth the money we're getting or if some other bullshit goes down, you could be fired. And – even if you're like Chris Taylor, one of the great Amherst of all time, a former Sabre who was around when they were pretty good in the late 90s, early 2000s, who, who's been doing a great job as a coach, who you liked enough that he filled in as an assistant coach when Don Granato was sick earlier this year, who in general seemed like a good guy that you, I think, just re-upped his contract. Not they too long had ago. a verbal agreement for a two-year extension yes. that they just decided to not honor. Who also, you know, he was a career AHL and he's an AHL coach. He's not a, a billionaire. 
who has a, I believe, a disabled child. Yes. Young child. Uh, and now is out on his ass with no health insurance for no reason. Without any kind of heads up that this was coming. That's really the thing that bothers me the most about this. And this kind of like gets into the other side of it, which we've, we've talked about at length. But it, it's the human element of this with the Pagulas where they just don't care about people. Um, I know that kind of casts a broad, a broad net there, but like, how are you not going to give these people at least like a semblance of a heads up? And the fact that it was just like from three weeks ago to now, I mean, what changes like the time of the draft, the timing of the draft. And like in that, I mean, that's the thing. I know it's kind of become a joke now where like if the Pagulas give you a vote of confidence, that's pretty much like the kiss of death that you're going to get fired. Um, that's what happened three weeks ago. And, you know, you know that though, like, like Chris Taylor is like somebody who has been a part of the organization in several capacities. Like you said, you understand what his situation is. And like, again, like you can't really look at what he's done and say like, uh, this is inadequate. Like, no, like he's done a good job. Yeah. And with all of that in mind and like, again, like the situation with like his child and stuff, the fact that like, somebody like that is like blindsided by a, by a decision like this, it shouldn't sit well with anybody, you know? And, and, and that goes into this greater point where, you know, several times that throughout the season, we both have said they need to clean house. Like I know I brought up several times that they need to, they needed to like clean house with their scouting department and like, maybe like look, look for something new there. Um, with, with some of like the, the long time guys who have been there, uh, Kevin Devine, for example, who somehow managed to not get fired throughout all of this, which makes no sense. Like the guy has been demoted and fired the, or like demoted within the organization. How many times? And like, you just continue to keep this guy around. But th- beside my point, like back to my point though, it's just, th- there's just no element of just like humanity with them. Like they just, they oh. don't care. Like they don't care about their employees, whether it's the people who work at seven one six or any of their like ent- smaller entities. And they don't care about the people who, like play huge and vital roles in the organization. Somebody like Chris Taylor. I mean, you can't, again, you can't look at the job that he's done and say he deserved this because he really didn't. You gave him several instances, like you had mentioned with Tage and with Casey, where they were underperforming in the NHL. That's not Chris Taylor's fault. That's your fault. And that's Jason Botterill's fault for keeping them there too long. So you send these guys down there, and again, as you alluded to, Tage has immediate success down there, and things are starting to click for him. You know, we're hearing about how he's, like, getting better at using his frame. Middlestack gets down there, and Taylor is putting him in, like, you know, high-pressure situations. He's playing him on the penalty kill. He's trying to get his, you know, like, address the issues that he has, whether it's his fitness or what have you. And, and this year, I mean, who knows? Like, they could have been primed to go on a run. And, and now, inexplicably, you just just can these guys without any real plan. And so it, it really does it's make possible you... possible to look at this and not see what was in that memo that they sent that was reported on a couple months ago in that same athletic article where they talked about maintaining their lifestyle, uh, where they talked about having to uh, pause their super yacht construction. All of this, everything that's happening from them restructuring their organization to them hiring Kevin Adams as their uh, the new GM inexplicably to firing everyone in Rochester to firing everyone in general to people at 716 not not getting their same status and vacation days and pay back when they restart their job all of it everything that's happened is all in service of their ability to not in the future have to pause super yacht construction and things of that nature. It's all that. It's all to serve the lifestyle they talked about. And they're so goddamn stupid and incompetent. They let us know that by including that in the memo without knowing it would get leaked. So this is all, this is, it's, it's just, it's a perfect, perfect, I don't know, I want to say metaphor, symbolism, whatever, some rhetorical device for America right now. Not to get too like broad or like out there with this point, but it's just, there's a lot of pain and suffering and sacrifices being made all in the service of a very, very small group of people having everything they want instead right. of just 98% of what they want. Right. And it's disgraceful. I mean, I don't know how – we talked about this just last week. How, how can you keep supporting this team? 
I don't even know how it's it's getting harder and harder. Just just the knowledge that if they are ever good again somehow, if by some accident they do what they did with the Bills and hire someone because they like their gumption, and it turns out they're actually good uh, management type or coach, GM, whatever, that they might get good, and people that will benefit from it more than anyone, especially financially, will be Terry and Kim Pagula. So, and that brings uh, like that kind of leads into like a great point too with them. And they're just general incompetence and kind of being the be all end all. So like one of the things that has come up in like recent days that um, is worth pointing out at least for a couple of reasons, not for what it is on the surface. And I'll get to that. But one of the things that I I know Chad DiDominicus um, had had something on this that he has heard that Kevin Adams wants to expand the analytics department. You know, as we know right now, most teams in the league, um, their analytics departments consist up to three, four people, sometimes even more. Um, the Sabres have one person who does analytics for them who, I mean, if there's somebody who has to have like the most difficult job in the world because everything that you try and say and prove is pretty much just told, now nah, we're not going to do that. Um, but seemingly Kevin Adams, you know, wants to – expand that department, which is great. It's necessary. You have to do it. Here's where the problem is for me and why like that's not as good as it sounds on the surface. Um, I mean, I would have to think that this person who they have in this position understands analytics and conveys to them uh, their players who analytically will say aren't good. Let's take Ristolainen, for example. Ristolainen is an analytics nightmare, okay? Three years ago, when Jason Botterill was brought in, we were told, oh, he's a believer in analytics. You know, he's all about the numbers. He's really big into that stuff. Like, he buys into it, and it's real. Doesn't quite seem like it. Same thing with Kat, or with with Tim Murray. Oh, he's big oh, yeah. into numbers, you know? Like, oh, he's all... He's an analytics guy. Right, he's big analytics guy. Height and weight. Right. So, you know, you get that, but then at the same token, it's like, well what does it matter? Because you have what the numbers have been telling you now for five, we'll say like five, the past five years, like the numbers tell you, you should trade Ristolainen. The numbers tell you, you shouldn't trade Ryan O'Reilly. The numbers tell you this, the numbers tell you that, and they just don't seem to listen. And a big part of that for me, I think goes back to the top where I don't think it's any accident that we know Ristolainen is an analytics nightmare, but because he's Terry's favorite player. He somehow still hasn't been here or he still hasn't been traded. Like he's still on the team now, you know? And so what, I guess my, my greater point here is like, what good is them doing anything for this, for that matter? When, if the buck is going to stop with the Pagulas, if it's not going to matter, you know? And that's kind of like what I was talking about, like last year, a little bit. Um, it, it was in the beginning of the season, I think. I had kind of brought this up that, like, when things really started to go side, or it was a little bit into the season. When things started to go sideways, like I had said on one of the episodes, I don't know if you remember, Taylor, but I was like, none of this matters. Like, it, it doesn't matter who you hire as the coach or who you hire as the GM, because if you have them at the end of the day making the final calls when we know that they're not capable of doing that, then it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, Kevin Adams wants to expand the analytics department. Awesome. Like if Terry Pagula though, at the end of the day is going to say, no, don't trade wrist in, It doesn't matter. You know, like if the analytics, if your analytics department tells you, Hey, Sam Reinhardt has the ability to drive his own line, but Ralph Kruger then at the end of the day is like, no, we're going to keep him and Jack together. It doesn't matter. Like, so that's just the problem is that like, they just don't have a clear focus of, what it takes to be successful. And I know that's not breaking news, but like all of these decisions and everything that they're doing at the end of the day, it's like if the Pagulas are going to continue to involve themselves in the way that they are and being as hands-on as they are, none of it matters. Like nothing that we do matters. Nothing that any of them are going to be able to do matters because they don't know what they're doing. And if they're the ones who are going to be calling the shots, we're not going to see change. Like, I've I've really come to terms with the fact that I honest to God think that we're not going to trade Ristolainen and in two years, his contract is going to run out and then he's not going to want to, they're going to try and resign him, but he's not going to want to. And then you lose an asset for nothing. Yeah. And just like things like that repeatedly where like misstep after misstep. And it's like, you can't just do this, you know? And I mean, getting into like the whole thing with Adams too, you know, 
Great. You fired Botterill, but a big problem that people had is that they felt like there should be a wall between the general manager and the Pagulas so that you can have somebody that when the Pagulas try and meddle in this, they can say, fuck off. Like, no, like we are doing this this way. Like you hired us to do a job. Let us do it. And we don't have that. So now you're just giving them more power. You're giving them another yes, man. And in reality, it doesn't matter what Adams is going to want to do because he has no leverage. He doesn't have any leverage. And if there's anything that he wants to do that might be a good idea that's swinging for the fences, but the Pagulas say no, then, I mean, what are we stuck with then? What are we left with? You know, and yeah. that's the animosity is not towards Kevin Adams. Like the animosity is towards the fact that he he's hired in the first place. It's the people who hire him. Like it's ridiculous. Right. And I think, I think with what we wanted to do, which was obviously we wanted a lot of changes to be made. Uh, scouting, amateur scouting has been a huge topic around here for years, mostly because the Sabres have been maybe the worst franchise at drafting, unbelievably bad at drafting. Uh, are we sure Mark Jankowski deserved to get fired, though? Are we sure any of this is his fault? So, He's been in charge that long. So with him, it, no. Um, you know, when we've talked about during the season, like they, they need to kind of clean house with, with scouting – Obviously, amateur scouting it plays a huge part in that, but I think a lot of it's more so. A lot of it, at least to me, is geared towards pro scouting. Um, the talent that you're bringing in, like if you have your scouts are telling Botterill, like, "Oh, we need to bring in Michael Froelich or whatever," like, like stuff like that. You know, it's like your talent acquisition just has not been there. So, from a pro scouting perspective, absolutely, Jankowski, you really can't. I think that looking at a guy like Kevin Devine. He needed to go. Like, if you did want to trim some of the fat within that department, yeah, you probably should. But Jankowski is an interesting case because, one, like we had said, he was recently hired. But, two, within the past two years, like, I don't know, like somebody's pointed out, like Eric Portillo, for example, like a third-round pick who now is kind of making waves as one of like the better goalie prospects outside of the NHL right now. He just had a huge year in the USHL. Um, you know, and, and that's a great find. And we're kind of getting some of these guys who are mid round guys who, Hey, maybe they'll turn into something. Um, but well, I, th- I think there's an interesting thing that people have been mad at the drafts a lot the last couple of years, because like you, especially oh, yeah. about the draft because they've gone with not swinging for the fences. They've been trying to bump basically right, yeah, exactly. a uh, low ceiling, high floor guys, especially defensemen that don't score a lot. And, you know, things like that outside of Dylan cousins, and Dallin, obviously, uh, but that struck me as a a botchel thing because it's a it's right. a trend. It's it's something. It, basically, scouting. I mean, it's different for any organization how they would exactly how the department would run. But if someone has a philosophy, a GM, then it's not going to matter to him that if you bring him, let's I don't know, Cole Caulfield, and you're like ah, small guy, high scoring, not particularly good in his own zone. No, you know. Mm-hmm. No matter what a scout says about that, that might be what a GM thinks. And that there was such a trend, especially in Botchel's time at the helm, in, in regards to what kind of prospects they took or what kind of guys they drafted, that speaks to Botchel more to me than uh, amateur scouting. And yeah. I don't know, maybe Mark Jankowski was bad. I, I don't know. I guess they do, quote-unquote, know more than us. Uh, but I'm not sure that they have a plan for what, what do they want out of their scouting department. Obviously – they're revamping it like crazy. I had no idea John Van Boxmere and Teppo Newman were still here. Timo Newman and there was somebody else. Yeah, it wasn't. That Te- wasn't Teppo? No. Oh, okay, good. Timo Newman. Um, um, so, so is, he, is he related? Was that really not Teppo? No, it was not Teppo. No. Oh, good, thank God. So I was worried because he resigned. It does bring up a great point though that like you're, you know, your scouts can only go so far. I guess I, I, again like. I, there's nuance with this because I think for a lot of people, like we said before at the start of this, a lot of people are like, Oh, they did it. So like, what are you complaining about? And it's like, no, like there's a little bit more, there's a lot of layers with that. Yeah. I do agree with you that like at the end of the day, a hundred percent, like your scouts could be doing great work. And that's not stuff that we necessarily know with some guys. We do know, like, again, I keep bringing him up, but like Kevin Devine, we know his deal. The guy has been in high ranking positions and just gets demoted from them, like, or gets fired. Like it's not good. But at the end of the day, it comes down to your GM's philosophy. And 
place it like Cole Caulfield is an example, but also just like the emphasis that he placed on where he drafts defensemen as compared to where he drafts forwards, you know, like he had this thing with defense with like, again, Ryan Johnson, Matias Samuelson and taking them over guys who may be higher ceiling guys um, who are like scoring forwards, which is, you know, at, at those points where you're in like late first round, second, third round, like, that's where you got to take a, a chance at guys like that. You don't go for safe picks there. You go for guys who you think can actually have a high ceiling in the NHL. You're not going to hit a lot of the time, but when you do hit Kucherov, Aho, Braden Point, you hit big time, and it alters your franchise. Like, really think about that. I mean, think about, like, when Braden Point came onto the scene, like, how huge that was for, like, further bolstering Tampa Bay, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean – so at the end of the day, it really is like a, a philosophical thing when it comes to GMs and how they want to run. Um, you know, of course, there has to be some accountability there when it comes to like the amateur scouting. I don't think either of us are saying that they should just be like absolved from anything because it's all bottle But like there is a certain level to which they can do their jobs. Um, but at the end of the day, they're not the one pulling the trigger. They're not the one making the call on who gets whose name gets called. Yes. Uh, and it, I mean, it's, it's, the thing is, and this is the biggest reason why I guess there's a feeling of dissatisfaction is that you tore it down. That's the easy part, making the decision. Now you need to build it back, which is kind of, this is what they did uh, on the ice side, the uh, team side uh, in the range from like 2013 to 2015, a lot of tearing down. And when it came time to not just take the big swings and get like Leonard and Kane and O'Reilly and Michael and Reinhardt, filling that out, filling out your fourth line. Guy, it's been their Achilles heel. Yeah. The right scout. It's, it's all, all that stuff that you need to do in the, I don't, I mean, I don't know exactly what a perfect organization would have, but you, you need to hire all these people. Now you're going to need a new hockey department in general. You need an assistant GM. You need a new AHL, everything. You need everything in the AHL now. So it's going to be, so hard to do that and i guess the biggest thing the biggest problem with all this is the two people most responsible for how things have gone wrong are still there and they they will be for the foreseeable future because they own the team yep that's the thing it's them they're 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 the reason this has happened this didn't happen under golisano even though golisano wouldn't commit to spending to the cap yep and he, he was kind of an absentee owner at, at times. and Didn't, didn't come close to a playoff it. drought like this. No. So I, looking at like what's going on right now all over the organization and with the, the number of people they fired or the number of departments that are in turmoil that they're trying to turn over, how do you not see it? Like, how do they not see it as their own fault? How because do they not they're in it? denial. They're, yeah. they're in I mean, denial and they're out of touch with reality. I mean, they're, they're – I mean, you know, like that's the thing. Yeah. They're just they're billionaires. They think that they know what they're doing. You know, I'm sure Terry Pagula just thinks that everything that he does is is, you know, great and like the ground he walks on is holy and all that. Like that's the thing. I just think they're out of touch. I, they're assholes. Like that's really what it comes down to. They just like suck as people. They're disconnected from reality. They live in their own little bubble and feel like they should be absolved from any criticism because they bought the team. So I think that there's this like sense of entitlement, like, Oh, well we did this for you, but it's like, okay, congratulations. Like, thank you for buying the teams. Like, are you, are you just okay with us being mediocre now? Or do you want to actually do something about it? But you know, no matter what, like, when do you hear about accountability with them? When do you hear them? You, you know, and the problem too that we didn't even we haven't even touched on yet which is the most maddening part about all of this for me um and i and i and i'm not even saying that to to exaggerate like the part that just like angers me the most is that in these interviews that they're having in these press conferences they are using words like leaner and efficiency which great being efficient is important, but when you're using words like that more than you're using words like winning and championships and getting back to the playoffs, that is not okay. And that goes to show you right there where their priorities are. You know, yeah. there's no denying it. I mean, in that in the in the press conference, Terry Pagula 
spends a half hour talking about them. The, all four of them talk about them needing to get, well, not even Kruger, but like they talk about needing to be more efficient and economic and smart and stuff like that. And then the question comes about them having money problems. And he's like, where would anybody get that idea? Why would anybody think we're having money problems? And then right after that, he goes into talking about how the oil industry is tanking. Like, it's like you are literally the ones doing this. Like, yeah. You're, we know, like, you know, and that's the thing. Their priorities are not in the right place. I really, truly, like, don't think they care about winning. I think that they care much more about um, not losing so much money with the Sabres. But guess what, guys? Terry and Kim, if you are listening, really free, easy advice for you right now. The best way for you to make money with your hockey team is to have a – a winning hockey team win games people will want to buy stuff win games people will show up to the games and buy tickets you win games people won't say things like you're a blood-sucking leech and we all fucking hate you people don't say that you win our priorities are going to be elsewhere we're going to be worried about being excited about the team and i'm telling you right now mark my words if god forbid People aren't talking about this nearly enough. If Josh Allen shits the bed this year or the Bills in general shit the bed this year, this city is going to riot. It is going to burn. People are going to lose it. You are, they are so, so lucky of where the Bills are at right now. And don't get me wrong, under no circumstances, like the expectations for the Bills right now should be to win the division. Like they – should absolutely kick ass this year and win the division. But all I'm going to say is if that doesn't work out and you have a bad football team while you're dealing with a hockey team, who's probably going to hit 10 years in a row without making the playoffs. Oh my God. They will be so fucked. So fucked. Yeah. Anyway, you want to end this with a quiz? Sure. (laughs) Sorry. I didn't mean to get into Bill's talk, but it's like a greater point. You know, it's like, There's a lot riding on the next 12 months and we will things see. are bad right now because of the Sabres and people's outlook towards them. But I'm telling you, man, a year from now, if both of those teams, if neither of them make the playoffs next year, holy shit, bad, bad, bad. Anyways. All right. We'll do this quick. Uh, so Jason Bottrell's last game as the GM of the Sabres was a, a March shootout win over Washington. But his last game as a player for the Sabres and in the NHL in general was in 2004. He was a uh, winger for the team back, you know, in and out. He was kind of an AHL guy. January 20, 2004, they lost 4-1 to one to Atlanta. Uh, RIP, obviously, Atlanta. Wow. Uh, so, can you name the Sabres lineup from this game in 2004? How many guys can you name? We'll January just, of 2004. Yeah, so we'll uh, – I'll just see how many you can get off the bat. Obviously, you have uh, 19 guys. Okay. You know, 12 forward, six defensemen, and a goalie. All right. Um, Martin Baran. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, Briere is there by then, right? Briere is there. And Drury should be there by that point because I don't think that was a deadline deal. Uh, Drury is there too. So okay. Yeah, two guys. Three guesses, two guys. All right. Um, let's see. Alexei Zhitnik? Correct. Okay. Uh, who would have been 2004? Oh, boy. Um, No, he would have been gone by then. Um, Max Afinaganov? Correct. Miroslav Shatan? Correct. Um, let's think of some defensemen. Is Brian Campbell up? He is. Okay. Um, Newman's not there yet, right? Is that a guess? No. 
No guess. No guess. Okay. Um. Oh boy. There's some obvious ones I know I'm missing. Um, Henrik Talinder. Uh, yes. Tony Lidman. Uh, no. Ooh. Um. Are there any like Rochester guys there, or? I mean, there are guys that uh, spend time. You know, there's one guy you really should get. Just that I'm thinking here. Think about what this quiz is. That I really should get? Yeah, thinking about what I'm asking you in this quiz or the theme of this quiz. Oh, Jason Botterill? <laughs> My God. How about Mika Nornan? Mika Nornan was the goaltender. Um, who the hell's the other goalie then if it's not Baran? Well, no. I, it's 19 guys, one goalie. I didn't. Count. Oh, you're only doing one goalie. Okay. I'm sure Baran was on the bench. I have to imagine. Got you. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm pretty sure this is wrong, but I'm going to just guess anyways because I'm thinking it might be an out there one. Was this when – this is – no, it's it's actually definitely after the fact. Never mind. I was going to say with Doug Gilmore when he made his, like, random comeback, but I don't think – I think this was after that. Ah. Um, oh, boy. All right. Uh, Chris, oh, nope. He would have been traded by now. Um, God. J.P. Dumont. Correct. All right. Um, Jochen Hesch. Correct. Uh, Vanek? No. No. I knew he wasn't. I knew it as soon as I said it. Yeah. Um, I didn't know if he had maybe like come up for like a few games randomly that season. Um. How many more do I have to go? So you have uh, six guesses left, and you have got 11 – or sorry, you have five guesses left, and you have eight guys to get. God. Um, let's see. I feel like I'm just missing some defensemen here. Is there any hints you can give me? Um. Hmm. Let's see. A fellow that was in the news this week is included. That's all I can say. That was in the news this week? Um... Is Chris Taylor on this team? Chris Taylor. Oh my god. Uh how about Jeff Jilson? Uh no. Damn. Um Kodalik. Yes. Sniper extraordinaire. There we go. Two more guesses. Did I say Max yet? You already said Max. Yeah. I did. Okay. Um, what's the forward to defenseman breakdown of how many are left? All right. We got, let's see here. We have one. Uh, I think we do get here. We do not get. Let's see. You have, you have 13, which means that there are six that you didn't get yet. Uh, and that's one. Are there any like really random names on there? No one too random. No. Oh, really? Okay. I was going to throw Norm <laughs> Millie out there, but I won't. But if he's, uh, I think you have two forwards and four defensemen. Let me see here. Let me I see. figure there's probably a bunch of defensemen left. Um, sorry. No, that's Wooly there still. 
No, no on Jason Woolley. What yeah. guess left? Oh, that's three and three. Three forwards, three defensemen. Hmm. I want to at least have my last guess be like correct. This isn't one of my best ones. I've gotten the majority, but this is not one of my best. Uh, I don't know. I, it's, it's not going to be right, but Curtis Brown. Curtis Brown. Correct. Oh, he was. Okay, cool. I was worried you weren't going to get Curtis Brown. Cool. Okay. okay. So you got 14 of the 19. That's pretty good. I'll take that. Who'd I miss? Yeah. All right. Let's see. We had – so you got Max, Bottrell, Briere, Curtis Brown, Brian Campbell, Chris Drury, J.P. Dumont. You missed Rory Fitzpatrick. Son of a bitch. Uh, you got Ash. You missed Dimitri Kalinin. Kalinin. Oh, my God. That was a gimme. Yeah. You missed Kodalik. Or you got Kodalik, but you missed Adam Mayer, James Patrick, and Andrew Peters, who are all together on here. I I like my I, I like my performance on this overall. Then that's that's not too bad. I you might not think Patrick was still around in 04. No, I I should have known that one. I should have got Patrick and Kalinin, Peters. I probably wouldn't have guessed. Mayor, may, maybe I don't know. Mayor, who also was in the news this week, as a. Uh, an interesting potential replacement. In Listen, Rochester. I just got to say, because I know we, we had talked about this on Twitter a little bit, and a bunch of people actually chimed in. Um, my whole thing with that is I'm just not down with them hiring people from, from within right now, and I'm sure that Adam Mayer or Matt Ellis or whoever could eventually end up being a fine coach in the league, but I think right now with a first-time GM who really doesn't know what he's doing um, – and I am not sure Adam American can be a good coach. Well, I'm you sure. were for Ellis though. You were talking about. We'll talk about like yeah. Ellis specifically. I just think, along with like the first time GM thing and like the inexperience with Adams, I also think that we all know we are in desperate need of hitting on more than one of the of the young guys who are in Rochester right now. And I would rather hand the keys to somebody who has experience at least coaching in, in the AHL level, even if it's as an assistant coach. Matt Ellis, his, I mean, he's teaching like 13 and 14-year-olds right now. And like these, uh, these hires from the Academy of Hockey, like hire Ellis as an assistant coach. Like I'm all about that, but like I want them to actually like have a guy who has a background with this, who has a demonstrated history of success with it. I mean – why are you high? Why, like, if you can point out and, like, say why you fired Chris Taylor, like, whatever I could imagine that their uh, response to that would be, it would not make any sense for them to hire Matt Ellis, then, in my mind, because of that. Like, oh. what are you getting out of that? Other than cost effective, you know, yeah. like. True. That's uh, just me. I mean, I know you were more, like, thinking that he would be. Well, I think I think it's a bad idea regardless with what happened in Rochester. Like, I, I wouldn't be – there's no reason they did what they did, like we already said here. But right. I just think that if they were – now that the damage is done, if they were going to go, there were worse directions to go than Matt Ellis. But are there better, though? Like, that that's my point, is that a lot of people – like, I know you had said it, um, and Chris had said it as well. I think uh, Chris Ostrander, TJ Luckman – we're pointing out like, you know, it would be, but like, I guess my whole thing, and I know this is asking a lot because we're talking about the Pagulas, but like, can't we, can't we hold ourselves to a little bit of a higher standard than just being like, yeah, let's just hire Matt Ellis. Like, why don't you actually go out and try and like get somebody like, yeah, yeah. bring somebody in Ellis as an assistant coach in Rochester would be a better idea to start. That's kind of what my point is like, and then, yeah, if he proves it, then great. Then like give him the keys and like give him a try. But like, just right now, it just does not make any sense to me to do that when, like, I just feel like, from our sake, like, we should, as fans, hold the team to the higher standard than just saying, yeah, Matt Ellis might be good at it, you know? Like, yeah. let's, let's do a little bit more. Yeah. So, since since we were just doing that quiz, I just looked at uh, James Patrick's career. He was 40 his last year in Buffalo. That we just did. He debuted in 1983. Holy Jesus. The Rangers. And he had a 71-point season. In eight, as a rookie? No, no. In uh, 
91-92. I think the Rangers won the President's Trophy. Holy Jesus. He, he was a good scorer. Was he there when they won the Cup? No, he got traded mid-Cup season. That sucks. Well, he got a ring still then probably, right? Maybe? I don't know. Still, it sucks. He never won That sucks. Wow. Yeah. It's not the same if you get the ring, but you're not there for it. Right. Looking at this right now, he played 11 years in New York and had 467 points. That's incredible because he played six years in Buffalo and had 74 points. (laughs) A little bit of a drop-off. Yeah. Hockey done changed a little in the mid-90s. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, But, yeah. Anyway, shout-out to James Patrick. Shout-out, James Patrick. Good for you, man. Good for you for uh, seeing it through. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, this probably seems like a good time for us to wrap up. Uh, for anybody out there who's listening, who who celebrated Father's Day yesterday, uh, well, we are recording this on Father's Day, but happy Father's Day to you. Um, you know, and thank you all again for listening. Be sure to uh, check out our, our sister stations on the Hockey Podcast Network uh, as the the league is potentially, but maybe not anymore now, getting looking to, to revamp and everything. You know, our those shows are going to be putting out some great content for the playoff teams. Um, you know, assuming the world doesn't come burning down again, um, maybe the next time we'll talk to you will be after the draft lottery, but with the Pagoulas, who really knows? Um well, isn't the draft lottery this Friday? Is it this Friday? I thought it was next. Maybe. Oh, my God. Is it already the 20th? Oh, my God. It is actually this week. Okay, so maybe we will talk to you next week then. Yeah. I guess we'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, then, yeah. But, again, thank you all so much for listening, as always. Be sure to shoot us a follow if you don't already. Subscribe to our show if you don't already. And subscribe and follow the Hockey Podcast Network uh ready for our our random sabers player of the episode yes all right well thank you again everybody our mutual random sabers player we are going to share with you now in three two one chris taylor 